Hey, Michelle, I'm so excited that we have this awesome event coming up on November 3rd. I'm already at least 5% happier that he's coming. And I think after he gets here, I'll probably be good at at 10 or 15% happier for sure. Yes. How about just, I'm going to be 10% less sad. (laughs) I'm going to take the rebellious point. But hey, Dan Harris is a brilliant guy. There's not a ton of people out there that I would want to pay 45 bucks to see on a Friday night. But he's the host of one of the most popular podcast in America, 10% Happier. Yeah, there's nothing better than spending the evening with a bright, brilliant, and really funny guy. So I'm looking forward to November 3rd very much. We're completing our adventures in faith today. How many people have been a part of a small group or been reading some of the materials? Thank you so much for doing that. The central message of Adventures in Faith this year, spirituality from the ground up has been about how important it is to root ourselves in who we really are, in our true character, and that the byproduct of that is that we can grow wings, we can soar, we can thrive, and we can live in joy. So with that today, I ask you the question, if you were to walk into a bookstore tomorrow, and ask where or what section to find the story of your life, what section would you be directed to? Science fiction? Romance? This is a very interactive sermon today, so especially here in the crowd, I'm looking to you. Travel? Self-help, yeah. The great Stephen Wright uh, once went to the library and said, where can I find the self-help section? And the librarian replied, sir, I cannot tell you that would defeat the purpose. (laughs) I'm going to make up a section for myself and I'm going to call it the joy section. I believe every bookstore, every music store, every streaming service should have a section just dedicated to joy. And you can put all sorts of topics there, the science fiction, biography, romance, etc. But the only rule is that it has to come from and lead to joy. See, there's something about being joyful that validates that you get this thing called life. Just being aware of the miracle of life itself in you and in me and having it soar and become aware in you is one of the greatest gifts that we can have. So when we're joyful, it's like we get it. And the question I want to ask us today is, is it possible to live in joy no matter what? Is it possible to live in joy no matter what? Which means cultivating a joy not just when we're happy, But when there's sorrow, when there's struggles, when there's challenges. The great Joseph Campbell said, Participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. We cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. That's our task. That's our calling. And for me, the first thing that joy, no matter what, requires is that we cultivate an unconditioned joy. Think about what that might mean to you, an unconditioned joy. We have to cultivate an unconditioned joy that is not shaped by circumstances, but of knowledge 
of true life. Whether or not in this vast cosmos there's life somewhere else, it is still so precious and miraculous that there is this thing called life right here on this little blue ball, this gas ball, hurtling through space. Life is a miracle. Your existence is a miracle. And to be aware of that is to have this indestructible joy of life because that's what life is. I think I know some guy who once said, this life is joy. It's this indestructible feeling within all of us. And it's just as important that we practice that joy, not just when things are going good, but when things are challenging as well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German Christian theologian, he once said, now the dismal autumn days have begun and one has to try and get light from within. Now the dismal autumn days have begun and one has to try and get light from within. This is true for so many mile hires heading into the holiday season. As much as it's a time of joy, it also can be a, a time of loss that's challenging. And if you're looking to find that light, uh, I want to invite you to Dr. Patty's wonderful workshop on Saturday, Navigating the Holidays. But Bonhoeffer, he was a Christian minister in Germany during the rise of the, the Third Reich of Nazism, of Hitler. And he slowly watched as his denomination was taken over by people who were loyal to Hitler, so much so that he saw his faith being lost altogether. And he was well known and he traveled in Europe and he was right here in the United States when people, things got bad for people in Germany too. Um, and he even had the opportunity to go and study if he wanted to nonviolence with Gandhi, but he chose, he made the decision knowing he would probably be arrested or killed to return to Germany, saying that he would have no right to reform Christianity there when Nazism went away if he didn't suffer with the people. And in 1945, he was implicated in a plot to assassinate Hitler. And he was hanged. He was murdered. And one of the powerful things Bonhoeffer would share, he says, I'm still discovering right up to this moment that it is only by living completely in this world that one learns to have faith. I mean, living unreservedly in life's duties, problems, successes, and failures, experiences, and perplexities. In so doing, we throw ourselves completely into the arms of God. Jesus said that nothing anyone can do to you can destroy your spirit. It's only what comes from you that can destroy your spirit. And I invite us into considering the idea today that there is a part of us that is untouched when someone tries to hurt us. That as challenging as life may be, there's a part of us that is untouched. I'm going to invite you to affirm with me today. See, interactive at home too. There is a part of me that is always in touch with the joy of life. Part of me that is always in touch with the joy of life. I refuse to live in anything other than joy. 
joy is happiness, but it's also resilience. It's tenacity. And to live in joy no matter what, we need an unconditioned joy, but we also need an authentic joy. Superficial joy is pretending to be happy when you're not. Authentic joy is always staying close to the source of your life. Superficial joy is waiting around for something good to happen. Authentic joy is always being a presence for good to show up, to be that presence of good yourself. That's what it means to live in an authentic joy. Another quote on indestructible joy that I so admire comes from Albert Camus, who had his own story moving through World War II. He said, In the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. And that makes me happy. For it says that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me there's something stronger, something better, pushing right back. Do you believe in that invincible summer within you? It is always greater than anything that may be taking place around us. It's an old Reader's Digest from the 1960s, I believe, that tells us that you need three things to be happy. Something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. Pretty good pragmatic advice, right? Something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. And when I find myself unhappy too many days in a row, I, I ask myself, are one of those missing? And I think the truth is, in pragmatic everyday life, the hardest experiences for us are when one of those three things shift. When you retire from your career, or you lose a job, or you start a new career. When someone you love passes away. When the kids grow up and leave the house. When you go through a breakup. When you're so overwhelmed and so in survival mode that you can't look forward to anything but some respite from the difficulty of your day and you find yourself in what we call burnout. These are all challenging experiences. And so I do believe that you need those three things to be happy, but I don't think you need them to practice joy. To practice joy even in the face of the sorrows of your life or the sorrows of this world. Because there's having those conditions that help us achieve happiness, but there's also that indestructible spirit that indestructible joy in each and every one of us that we can always bring to our lives. It's not in what you have, it's in how you show up. It's not in what you have, it's in how you show up. The congregation of Mile High Church has helped me form what I call my professional creed. And it's, I practice genuine honesty and professional intimacy. That's what I see as my job description here at Mile High Church. I fail all the time, but that's always my goal, is to show up with genuine honesty and professional intimacy. By genuine honesty, it means that I want to be unguarded. It doesn't mean that I want to process all over you and tell you everything that's going on in my life. It means that I want to be transparent. 
Do I need to have boundaries that help create intimacy? Yes, but I never want to build walls that keep people out because I want to be let in too. Professional intimacy means that I want to love each and every one of you and I want to not be weird about it. (laughs) It means that I want to see you. It means that I want to understand you. It means that I want to encourage you and approve of who you are as a spirit. And when you let me in in the same way, I also get to experience that closeness, that depth. I love that Mile High Church is a place where we can create meaningful intimacy of trust and understanding and inspiration together. So practice an authentic joy. Live from that heart place that recognizes no matter what is going on, life is a miracle. Joy, no matter what, also involves finding meaning. Essential to joy, no matter what, is finding meaning. And when I think of this word meaning, I think of the great Viktor Frankl, the great psychologist who formed something he called logotherapy. And it was psychology not based on this idea of unconscious urges and drives, nor on superiority or inferiority complexes, but it was the idea that life and psychology is all about finding meaning, whether you're discovering meaning in something or you're creating it. Frankl would say a lot of us have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. An indestructible joy no matter what requires that we're focused, centered on meaning. And Frankel, in many different shapes and forms, would talk about three essential ways that we find meaning in our lives. The first he articulated simply as doing a work. Doing a work. Being part of a co-creative process. And Frankel was a, a big fan of that tale of the three bricklayers. And a man is making his way on a construction site And he sees a gentleman laying bricks and he says, what are you doing? And the man says, I'm laying bricks. Keeps walking, encounters another man. He says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a wall. Walks a little further and encounters another man and says, what are you doing? And the man puts his brick down and he has a tear in his eye and he's looking up in the sky and he says, I'm building a cathedral. I'm building a cathedral. And sometimes in life, we're just laying bricks. (laughs) We're just going through the motions. We're just doing our stuff with no sense of meaning or calling or purpose. Sometimes in life we're building walls, which I interpret as doing someone else's work for them. We're doing someone else's work for our own material good, to pay the bills, to get that check, to keep just surviving. To have that cathedral consciousness is to recognize that everything you do in your life, every relationship, every encounter, every job, every writing, every activity, is all in glory to building a life that you will love and that hopefully serves others as well. The great Eric Butterworth said, life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to God. And what does it mean in your own life to build that cathedral? to that indestructible joy, to that knowledge of the miracle of life, not just in you, but expressing as you. 
Franco says we find meaning through doing a work. And he also says we find meaning by loving someone. We find meaning by loving someone or by giving ourselves to a cause greater than ourselves. I don't think there's a greater sacrament in this life than letting the people we love know that we love them. There's nothing in my life that brings me closer to an experience of God. And I love all these interfaith practices we've had all this month, but in order to express that, I still go to just a basic pop song. So I'm going to use one today. I'm going to go back to, I think, 1968 to the Bee Gees, the pre-disco Bee Gees. And they they had a a, a song, uh, To Love Somebody. And it goes like this. You don't know what it's like. Baby, you don't know what it's like to love somebody, to love somebody the way I love you. This is where the interaction part comes in because I don't want to be embarrassed up here. You're going to sing along with me? (laughs) You don't know what it's like. Baby, you don't know what it's like to love somebody, to love somebody the way that I love you. And you can just close your eyes if you want. And you can just bring to mind someone that you love who's, it makes you so happy to put their needs in any given moment above your own. Someone you adore and you can just hold their picture in your mind. Maybe they're sitting right next to you and you can look right over to them and we can sing. You don't know what it's like. Baby, you don't know what it's like to love somebody, to love somebody the way I love you. One more time. You don't know what it's like Baby, you don't know what it's like to love somebody, to love somebody the way I love you. That don't put a little joy in your heart. I don't know what will in our lives to behold people we love in our lives today, people who've passed on, who we still love, people who love and want to surround us in sanctuary. Love is that thing that is greater than death, Nietzsche tells us, and connects us and binds us all together. We find meaning by loving someone, and we can also find meaning by living for a cause greater than ourselves. We find so many sorrows and struggles taking place in our world today. So many of our hearts broke when we saw the terrorist actions earlier this month in Israel the innocent people murdered. Even right now, innocent people in Gaza who wonder, is this my last day to live this life? War is terrible, contradictory, painful. And yet I do want to share, I was so inspired by these Israelis around the world, reservists, who upon seeing that their nation had been attacked, dropped everything. And one of the symbols that most shows this to me, we're going to put one up on the screen, speaks to people. This picture is just from Canada. And here are these Israelis, many of whom maybe never intended to travel home again, driving their cars, parking them wherever they can to go and show up to be of service to their country. What is it in your life 
that you would stop everything for, to be in service to, to perhaps even give your life for. It is in this meaning that we have to find that indestructible joy and will and resilience within us. Seeing those Israelis makes me think of my, my own country and what it means to, yes, criticize or reform, but also to recognize you know, our own role in the fulfillment of the prayer of our nation of equality and liberty and happiness for all people. What does it mean for you to live for a cause greater than yourself? Frankel tells us that we find meaning in doing a work and loving someone and living for something greater than ourselves. And lastly, through suffering. This one's a hard one for many of us healthy-minded religious scientists, that we can find meaning in suffering. Not that God brings us suffering to teach us, but that even through something like suffering or a challenge, we can find and cultivate meaning because that's how powerful we are. And this was the branch of Frankel's psychology that, that he developed while being in a concentration camp in Auschwitz during World War II. He shares, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. Frankel shares a relationship he built with a young woman who died and while she was dying. Here she is in this small, not even a home, a a prison, hardly even room to move, filled with people. And she's dying and all she can see, her only view through a window is a small little sycamore tree with two little blossoms growing on it. And Frankl's trying to comfort her. He's trying to talk to her. And she shares, this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. When I was younger, I cared only about material things. And now I understand and care about the spiritual side of life. And this tree, it's become my best friend. It talks to me. And Frankl, unsure if this woman is delusional, asks her, well, what's the tree say? And she responds, the tree says, I am here. I am here. I am life. Eternal life. No matter what may be taking place in our experience, do you have those symbols? those images you think of, those people you love, those experiences you've had, those symbols of nature, or even just a blossom growing off the branch of a sycamore tree that speaks to you, I am here, I am here, I am life, I am eternal life. As we wrap up this adventure in faith, I want to remind you of how important your roots are. That it's not, again, just where you came from as a person, but it's where you came from as an expression of something divine. That rooted within you is all that you need to live the greatest life imaginable. And when you're struggling or unsure, return to those roots, and it will fill you with that unbreakable, indestructible joy so that you can live it with clarity, and it will be creative not only for you, but a blessing to others as well. So we move into prayer this morning and invite our beautiful practitioner to stand and join me if they so choose. And let us move to that altar of our hearts.
where we can place this morning a request for prayer. That altar of the heart, which is not only the space of our deepest feelings and thoughts, but also is a creative place where the divine shows up. Where that joy of living, that quality of the divine itself manifests in this space that we create for it, in this cathedral, in this sanctuary of our own consciousness. We allow nothing to enter into this consciousness, our sacred consciousness that disrupts or destroys, but we seek to be a presence for indeed that life, that divine life that tells each of us, I am here, I am here, I am life, I am eternal life, living not from something temporary, but from this sense of the eternal. May we open our lives to greater healing, greater prosperity, greater peace of mind, greater connection. May we hold in our hearts with the courage not to turn our heads from suffering, but to confront it with this indestructible joy all of those who may be suffering on this planet Earth, in Gaza, in Ukraine, in Maine, wherever they are, we do not fear, but we know a greater truth. And as we unite together, we become a presence for greater peace, greater love, not only for ourselves, but for all. We allow this prayer to be, to be created in the altar of life that I know presents so many opportunities for grace, for light, for forgiveness, and for love. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.